0: You're not really listening to me, are you? Uh-huh. I mean, I could say anything right now, like, you're a complete tool. Mm mm-hmm. But you wouldn't hear it, because you're a freak with a microphone. Uh-huh. It's not even challenging anymore. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Isn't that true, sphincter boy? Uh-huh. Oh, sinner, do not stray from the straight and narrow way. For the Lord is surely watching what you do. If you approach the devil's den turn round don't enter in lest the hand of the almighty fall on you he'll fuck you, up. he'll fuck you up yes god will fuck you up if you dare to disobey his stern command he'll fuck you up, he'll fuck you up. don't you know he'll fuck you up so you better do some praying while you can Long ago a man named Lot had a wife he thought was hot But she could not stop her black and sinful ways You know it was her own damn fault when God turned that bitch to salt That's the way he used to work back in those days He fucked him up, he really fucked him up When the people went and turned their backs on him he can fuck you, fuck you up, no shit, he'll fuck you up Just like he fucked the people up back then I used to have a friend named Ray who walked that evil way He cursed and drank and broke his neighbor's fans You know Ray was full aware that some sheep were over there And he knew them in the biblical sense God fucked him up He He went and fucked Ray up Went and paid him back for all his wicked sins He fucked him up He fucked him up Fucked that boy completely up Now he's married to a Presbyterian Our boys and girls are waiting in the aisles of our theater right now Ready to entertain you So on with the show now I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful good look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all
1: before? It's like déjà. It is Wednesday, September 6th, 2023, and you are at JCOnTheLine.com. At the risk of sounding like an old Jewish man sitting on a park bench complaining about his recurring lumbago, I I have a very, very close friend in St. Louis, and he's been having a lot of health issues, and so am I. And uh, he instituted a policy. It was a great idea, you know, because I don't get to see him that often. But when we sit down and have lunch or just go to his house or whatever— you get to talk about health problems for five minutes. And after the five minutes, you got to move on to another subject. You can't circle back and start complaining about all of your ailments. So that's what I try to do here. And it's not because I'm looking for sympathy, and it's not because I don't have anything better to talk about. I'm just really honest with the audience, and I always have been. And so if there's something going on that is affecting, usually adversely, because when everything is just sailing along, you know, there's no problem. So what are you going to talk about? Why would you even bring it up? So usually it's negative stuff. It's something wrong somewhere. But if it is adversely affecting the product that I'm putting out, I I think that you should know about it. It's not making excuses. It's just like today, for example. For whatever reason, the laryngitis started coming back, and for whatever reason, this is supposed to be the turning point here. This is what everybody's been telling me on this hip replacement surgery, and I got a bunch of friends. There's a bunch of people in media, television and radio, people whose names you would know immediately if I brought them up, who, you know, as soon as they found out what was happening with me, they started sharing their stories. And people are getting hip replacements and knee replacements especially, and They didn't say to me, hey, don't talk about this on the air or on the podcast, but I wouldn't do it unless they had given me the okay to do it, so I'm not going to bring up their names. But it's just astonishing how many people are having these procedures done. So, you know, anecdotally and to some extent from the doctor's offices, they say this is about the time where you should start turning the corner. You have the surgery, you're just sort of immobilized for about three or four days and then they give you a walker and you got to start walking around with a walker which is bad because the walker scrapes on the floor and they should put the tennis balls on the four legs on the bottom and i have a five-year-old black lab mix who when she sees tennis balls attacks them so it's really so it's really hard to do that so i got rid of the walker after about the first week and was doing the physical therapy had a guy come to my house every day i'm sorry every other day and we're doing these exercises and after two weeks he's like fine you know basically you're cured it's going to start getting a lot better now and you don't need me anymore and have a great life and so I shook his hand, he was out the door, and almost immediately thereafter, this thing started hurting even more. Today, for whatever reason, today, for whatever reason, this thing is throbbing, and I've already gone to the heavy-duty painkiller. And I try to stay off that stuff, because we all know the story about OxyContin and Oxycodone, and that's what they gave me, and trust me, I needed it, Okay. But what you try to do is you try to wean yourself off of it as early as possible because the stuff ain't no damn good. I mean, it's great when you need it, but that stuff will fuck you up. And that's why pretty much you have to have had surgery or something like that for them to even prescribe it anymore. They won't give it to you. Everybody's scared shitless about all the lawsuits that are still flying around. And you got documentaries talking about the family in Indiana who perpetrated this on the American public and on the medical community, insisting that there weren't any side effects and there's no you know damage done and you can't get addicted and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, it was all lies. So they make billions of dollars on this stuff. And then the FDA and the government comes along and basically says, no, 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 you lied. And uh, they put him on trial and they throw a bunch of charges at him. And they hit him with a fee, with a fine that is so minuscule that if I were that family in Indiana, I would do the same thing. I'd say, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I mean, if I had no soul, I would say, yeah, sell as much of this shit as we can. Government's going to eventually come along and fine us. It will be a drop in the bucket compared to what we made here, and then we live happily ever after, which is pretty much how the story did go. So now, like I said, the doctors are very, very reticent. Well, it's not even reticent. They won't give it to you unless you've had some sort of surgery, and it's got to be pretty much a major surgery, and a hip replacement (laughs) pretty much is that. By the way, with some uh, close friends, I just was sharing the x-ray of the before and after of the hip, and the x-ray comes out you know very detailed i mean you can see everything including my junk so before i sent it out i you know went to one of these little apps where you can sort of clean it up you know and you can delete things and smooth over whatever and so i ran that thing over the promised land and looked at it and was like hey you can't see anything now send it out and people still insisted that they could see my junk and I'm like, look, if you want to see my junk, I can arrange for that. But you're not seeing it in this picture because I took it out myself. So, anyhow, basically, I've told you this whole story because what you hear for the next mm, 24 minutes might, might not make a lot of sense because I am flying right now. And I made the mistake of taking it on what was basically an empty stomach. And so, right now, I'm just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. The ritual in our house, by the way, is the last thing that I do before the entire house goes to bed. And I stay up a little later than everybody else. But before everybody goes to bed, the last thing I do is I take Luna, our five year old, adorable black lab mix out for one more stroll through the neighborhood so she can do her business. Then we bring her in, she's good for the night, and then in the morning she's able to go out and everything works out fine. Well, the only problem is I can't walk a dog right now because I can barely walk anyhow. I'm still walking. with the cane and uh, I can't afford to allow myself to get into a situation where the dog could jerk me I could even fall down and the doctor was very very uh, adamant about the fact that geez you know whatever you do whatever you do don't fall down you could really get yourself in a lot of trouble after all this if you fall so don't fall down so the last two nights Somewhere in the vicinity of about 2.30 in the morning, the dog has been waking up and coming in and nosing me, you know, nudging me with her nose. Like what she does when she is indicating that she has to go outside and do her business. And apparently what's been happening is that late night walk, the last walk that I told you that I do with her every night, that hasn't been getting done. So she gets about halfway through the night, bladder fills up and she's like, I got a rock here. So the last two nights she comes in, nudges me like I got to go out and then sits by the door and starts crying. If you don't act fast enough. So at 2.30 in the morning, I'm out. (laughs) We have a backyard that's fenced in, but there's a lot of foliage out there. It's just a lot of trees and it looks almost like a swamp. And sometimes she gets out there and doesn't feel like coming back in. So last night she goes out and will not come back for a half an hour. And I'm standing out there. Well, now I finally get her to come back in, try to go back to sleep in the middle of the night after something like that. So in addition to everything else I'm sort of dealing with here today that, uh, you know, possibly is compromising the quality of what you are receiving here on the J.C. Corcoran podcast. Have I made enough excuses, by the way, have I made enough excuses for how shitty today's podcast is? The reason they tell you you can't drive for you know two three weeks four weeks some in some cases after a major surgery is not because of any medical issue really it's because they know that they've given you these atomic painkillers that your depth perception and your attentiveness and all sorts of things certainly your reaction time which is sort of important when you're driving are going to be compromised and they don't want to be the one to be sitting in a courtroom going yeah I. Gave him the oxycodone, and I didn't tell him he can't drive, and he got in an accident and ran over a school bus, and now it's my ass. The reason you can't drive after these major surgeries is because you still got this stuff in your system and it will fuck up your driving. The other thing you can't do is get in a pool. And that I can understand because there's a lot of, you know, chemicals in pools and a lot of bacterial things. And you got the chlorine and everything. And you got a fresh wound from the incision. Actually, two wounds because one is where they actually do the surgery. And the other one is where they put the camera in. And then uh, the robot goes to work and i read a story on this and i'm convinced that my left leg now is longer than my right leg and i read up on it and apparently that happens sometimes you would think with a computer and lasers and robotics and all this fancy space age technology they use for this stuff right now you'd think that there'd be a way for them to calculate all this so that one leg didn't come out to be longer than the other one you know i worked with dan deardor for one summer that was enough. Dan is a superstar, Dan is a well-liked millionaire, Ran a couple of damn good restaurants along with Jim Hart. Was a great color commentator on television. Was fantastic on Monday Night Football. Was really, really good. All three of them were really good in Jerry Maguire. When they try to replicate scenes like that where somebody's on TV, they always mess it up and it doesn't look real. And I don't know if it was them or if it was Cameron Crowe, the director, but somehow they got those scenes to look completely real. And I've looked at it... dozens of times and i'm always fascinated by how good a job they did on that scene in the booth when rod tidwell goes down in that big monday night football game and they're commenting about it as his body just sort of lay there on the uh, turf in the end zone in jerry mcguire shrewd businessman hall of fame football player and deservedly so but dan got all of his uh, accolades for his work in doing football on television he didn't get any for doing radio morning radio so when i was paired with him during the summer of 99 things didn't go that well but something you will find through your many travels walking the face of the earth millionaires are difficult to communicate with and i'll leave it at that but dan had had so many surgeries on his legs and his knees and everything like that that for a period of time there was a two inch differential between his left leg and his right leg. And when he walked, he had to walk almost like cocking from one side to the other while also moving forward, and it looked painful. It's my understanding that he eventually got that fixed. So the question becomes, how do they fix it? Do they shorten the longer leg to make it even with the shorter one, or do they put something in the shorter leg to make it longer so that it evens out? I don't know the answer. Sounds too painful to even think about anymore. On Monday, we'll be coming up to the anniversary of 9-11. I've talked about this before. It angers some people, but I don't think we should be doing what we do every 9-11. If you're in some sort of uh, adversarial relationship with another person or another group, and you win some, and you lose some time. Sometimes they get the best of you. Sometimes you get the best of them. It's just an ongoing process, and you think to yourself, this is apparently what it's going to take to uh, you know, be in this competition, whether it's business or sports or really sort of anything where competition takes place. Well, the last thing you want your adversary to know is that they were successful in damaging you. Like, oh, shit, he really got me that time. The last thing you want to do is let anybody know that, let alone the guy who's responsible for it. So why then, every 9-11, do we stand out there and remind the people who attacked us how great a job they did? We're still crying about it. I'm not saying that there's not honest emotion. I'm not saying that there's uh, uh, not any reason to be sad. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the celebrations of life or just uh, something memorializing what happened. All those things are fine. But that's where the line should be drawn, because otherwise, what are you doing? You're just reminding your adversaries what a great job they did. And why do you want to do that? You know, I do a podcast every Monday through Thursday, and uh, what I think I'm going to do this week, and also because you've been cheated on the podcast because of the laryngitis and the other issues that I've been having health-wise and haven't been able to really do it, um, I'm thinking about on Friday, maybe going back and playing back the entire 9-11 coverage, It was me, it was Brian McKenna, it was Karen Kelly, and we were in the studio, it was like any other Tuesday morning, and just before 8 o'clock St. Louis time, we're sitting there talking to Fernando Vina, second baseman for the Cardinals, as we did every Tuesday morning, and that's when all hell broke loose. And the job that Brian and Karen did on that date and the way the radio station just basically said, look, we're leaving you guys on the air. So we went on the air at 530 that morning. We didn't get off the air until two that afternoon. Somebody finally brought in some pizza or something like that because we hadn't eaten either. So, you know, people were thinking that day. They were using their brains. And the contribution that Karen and Brian made allowed me the freedom to do what I do. And so the coverage was damn good. And, uh, you know, we were nominated for some awards. And I think I took the, you know, eight and a half hours that we were on the air. And as we say in the broadcast industry, scoped it down to about, I don't know, maybe 20, 22 minutes. So I think on Friday, that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to play that as the podcast on Friday, and then you'll have that to listen through through the weekend. And then, of course, Monday is the actual nine eleven date. I'll try not to forget to do that. If you are Adam Wainwright, you're probably sitting there watching the game last night going, um, guys, you know, I'm pitching again on Thursday, and could you possibly try to score like this on Thursday when I'm pitching? Because, well, we all know why. The last two outings wainwright has had he's looked damn good his last outing looked like the adam Wright of 10 years ago no run support no run support and the start he made before that that was pretty darn good too so maybe he's found it again but uh, you'll find something in covering sports and that is when you are on a team that scores nothing you rarely win and i'll say this that if he gets 199 let's say he does it tomorrow he gets number 199 every time he goes out there from now until he either does or doesn't, you know, either gets to 200 or the season runs out, you got to believe the ballpark will be packed. I mean, that'll be a great thing. You know, look, I was talking to Skip Weber yesterday. He was talking about how much he did not like the Maguire so-so home run chase back in 1998. Because while all that was going on and people were packing the ballpark to watch Mark McGuire hit home runs, the Cardinals kept losing they were way out of the race. What good is this if we're not also winning the games? That is the ultimate objective, I guess you would say. Win the damn game. NFL season kicks off tomorrow night. Will the Chiefs, who are six and a half point favorites over the Detroit Lions, will they have Travis Kelsey in their lineup? Apparently he hyperextended his knee in practice yesterday, so we'll see. And now we get to this issue of Monday Night Football. So as you know, if you've got cable, satellite, whatever it is, something other than just over-the-air TV or a real, real stripped-down basic cable package, but if you've got one of the uh, leading services, you know you ain't been seeing any ESPN. ESPN is owned by Disney. Disney Also owns a bunch of other cable channels. And if you've been paying attention at all, you know, you haven't been seeing ESPN the last couple of weeks because they're in another one of those disputes. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I read a long story online about this yesterday. And it really filled in a lot of the blanks. And it also opened up a total Pandora's box here because there are basically three kinds of work stoppages. Strikes. First one is the worst one. That's when some company, some corporation, somebody's trying to break the union. That's the worst kind. The second kind is, we want more money. You don't want to pay it. You go back and forth for a while, and eventually you meet in the middle, and eventually everything comes out hunky-dory. And then there's the third kind. And even though I've already identified that first one where they're trying to break the union as the worst one, I don't know. I'm starting to think that maybe this is even worse than that. And that is when people are all sitting around and both sides are refusing to speak to one another because either one or both of the sides believe that the system, that the overall system that they've been using to operate with is broken and needs to be thrown out and replaced. And that appears to be the case this time. One of the stories I read went so far as to say that this may never get solved and that eventually what you'll have to do if you want any of the Disney products, and that would include ESPN and Monday Night Football, that if you want any of that stuff, you're not going to get it from cable or satellite or even UVerse. You have to go out and get an app Pay separate for it, what they call DTC, direct to consumer. In other words, instead of saying, all right, we own ESPN and UVerse, Direct TV, DISH, Charter. Here's how much we want for it for you to be able to carry it on your cable or satellite system. Here's how much we want. You either pay that or you can't do it. But now, what they're saying is, and this is pretty much coming from Disney, and that is that no, no, this whole system as it was set up, you know, back around what, you know, 1975 when cable really started coming into play. I didn't get cable until 1979. I still remember, like it was yesterday, I was sitting in my lovely garden apartment in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Garden apartment, special secret code for basement. But it was a nice apartment and I was, uh, you know, getting a steady paycheck and I was like, I can afford cable now. This is great. And so you get HBO and you're sitting there watching George Carlin and Robert Klein and some movies. If you're up really, really late at night, they're showing movies with nudity. You know, like this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm sitting on my own couch in my own apartment watching nude women on television. My television. Is this a great country or what? But then as cables started to expand, they come up with this nutty idea that, okay, you have to buy packages. You can't just buy what you want. You have to buy it as part of a package where we're going to load in another 10 or 12 channels that you don't want. We don't care if you want them or not. But if you want the one you want, then you got to take all these, too. Imagine going to buy a new car, and you go to the lot. And you go, okay, I want this one. And they go, okay. But you have to take this 1970 Dodge Dart two. You're like, I don't want a Dodge Dart. I don't even want a second car. just want one. Sorry, that's the package we're offering. You wouldn't accept that. So why are we accepting this? And whoever came up with that idea is a genius from a marketing standpoint and just from a financial standpoint, but wasn't any damn good for any of us. And we're still using that business model in 2023. So there are people on both sides of this dispute that are saying, yeah, we're not really thinking the cable and settle. Well, first of all, cable's down to about 15 million subscribers. That's way down from where they used to be because of the internet and streaming and stuff like that. So it's down to about 15 million people who have cable. Cable's days are numbered. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next year or even five years, but after that, I don't know. So this might be the beginning of the end of a lot of these things that we have been used to. And will it be better or will it be worse? It almost always means it's going to end up costing us more money. But again, this idea of having to acquiesce to the idea that, well, we know that you want these red hot dollars and Lickamades. But if you want them, you have to take the Milk Duds and the Dots and the Charleston Chew and the lemon heads. You're gonna take all that stuff. Sorry, that's the deal. But as I said, you know, get used to the idea of you know maybe. So there's gonna be a lot of things we potentially gonna to have to get used to, and one of them is that you might not be getting things the way that you have gotten them. What this does in terms of the impact on the Monday night football game, which is Buffalo, which has been sitting on the precipice of a Super Bowl for about two or three years right now, and a lot of people think it's going to be their year. And then you got the Jets with this uh, new quarterback. What's his name again? Uh, something Rogers. I've been waiting for this game Since you know, I got connections to Buffalo still, okay? And until I realized about a year ago that Mr. Rogers and his neighborhood is a pretty wacky town, I'm not as crazy about him as I used to be, I've been looking forward to this game since they made the announcement, you know, a couple of months ago. And now it's looking like there's a real possibility that I, along with the rest of you, aren't going to be able to see it this Monday night. There ought to be a law. All right, the voice is burning out. I managed to get 25 minutes cranked out here today, but uh, again, I don't want to run the risk of doing some sort of long-term damage. So when I hear the voice starting to go, it's time to shut up for a while, go suck down some tea. So that's going to have to be it. We'll be up bright and early at 101.5 St. Louis, 101.7 West to Beyond, and streaming at K Wolf tomorrow morning, bright and early at 5.30, in the back here with the podcast. Tomorrow at 11, spread the word if you're able. And in the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later, mate.
0: The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.